Welcome to Witch Love, a podcast founded by women, produced by women, about women in technology. There is a huge place for women in tech, and this podcast is going to get well into the work as a leading contributor to help change the trajectory and see the rise of women in technology. Sit back and enjoy as our young female hosts share energy with experienced professional women in technology. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Wit Love. This podcast is all about women in tech. I am so very excited to be your host for today. This marks the second episode of the podcast, and I am beyond thrilled for the guests that I get to share this energy with. Jennifer Gibbs is an executive coach, entrepreneur, and data executive. She offers over 25 years of leadership experience in technology, data, and analytics, and banking, with over 10 years spent in executive level positions. I met Jennifer back when I was an intern at TD, and her energy, her passion, her expertise in the space was just beyond amazing, and I am more than thrilled to be able to share this podcast with her. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And you should definitely introduce yourself too, Cassianne. Who are you? Absolutely. Thank you very much. So I just finished my Bachelor of Math with the University of Waterloo. I spent uh, several years, three years at TD in various roles, ranging from being my first initial role was as a teller. And then I worked uh, in several different roles, ranging from data analytics with TD Wealth. I was in TD Automation. And then my last internship was with Digital and Payments. And now I've recently joined the Sun Life team as a cybersecurity strategy analyst. Love it. Love it. Thank of you. Our as well. Fabulous, fabulous. So again, we're just so thrilled to have you on the podcast. There's so many great things that we can learn from your career. The first thing that I want to ask is that your background is so incredibly impressive with nearly over 20 years of experience in the space, which would make you certainly one of the most experienced experts I've met to date. Um, I would love to know more about your entry-level roles and your progression to senior management. When you first started off, um, particularly at IBM, what were some of the core skills that you needed to either develop or that you embody that really helped you progress and move up the ladder? That is a fantastic question. Um, I actually comment about this a lot when people ask me generally about my career and I was very, very fortunate and I don't, re I don't think I realized it at the time, but I was very fortunate to start my career right out of um, university. I have a computer science degree and joined IBM in their software development lab. And I joined the technical support organization. And I would just say that wasn't necessarily the sexiest type of job. Like people were really looking for coding jobs and, you know, other, you know, building the software type of jobs, at least many of my classmates were. Um, but for me, I was just thrilled to be joining a company that had so much technology innovation happening, so many resources, so many talented people to work with. And so was, um, I had sort of targeted IBM right in school as one of the top companies that I was interested ba way back in the day. Um, and I started in technical support, which, um, as I mentioned, was not necessarily something that people would have been striving to start back then. But it was it was a beautiful way to begin my career because it taught me the importance of focusing on the customer, no matter who your customer is, no matter what industry you're in. 
and um, very much passionate. And any job I have done after that first stint, and I spent six years, um, my first six years in technical support and advanced technical support. So the customer focus um, was beautiful experience for me. And I, and I think it's a differentiator for me, no matter what job I'm in. The other thing it taught me was problem solving under pressure. We were dealing mm -hmm. with some pretty difficult, complex types of problems that, you know, our customers were dealing with and they, many of them potentially were going to lose their job over some of these issues, um, that we had to mm -hmm. deal with two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning. So a lot of high pressure problem solving um, was incredibly useful for me to learn. And the problem solving was very technically oriented. And then the third thing that that um, helped me learn and, and I think benefited me for any job after that was around communication and collaboration. So I often found myself um, in a position where I was building a bridge between all of us and our technical expertise and the customer and their business um, executives um, and making sure that we were all on the same page. So the importance of being transparent, of communicating proactively, being very clear, all of those things I learned on the ground in real life um, for, for the first six years of my career. And after that point, and I suggest this for anyone in terms of sort of starting your career and the experiences you're learning. Um, for me, I started to make moves when I felt like I got to a point in my current role where I had soaked up all of the, not as like a significant amount of knowledge. I've soaked that up and experience and felt like I had contributed back in a significant way. And for me, that happened every two to three years where it was like, okay, I really feel like I'm getting comfortable here. Let's get back into my, you know, let's get back into discomfort. Let's get back into growth. And so I started making moves um, and really going up the leadership um, ladder, if you will, um, in various technical um, in various technical positions in software for the first, oh gosh, couple, almost two decades of, uh, of my career. That's incredible. What a powerful answer. I really resonate with that, especially with that having that strong customer service experience and base. I think, you know, serving customers, learning what the customer wants, really understanding all those different personas, it's such an asset in anywhere you go. Most jobs, you're not sitting in a silo, right? You're going to be working with people. You're going to have to understand their needs, what they really want, and then how to, you know, communicate and problem solve in a professional manner. So I think that having that as the foundation or one of the first goals that you did definitely would have helped set you up for success in the future. And that problem solving element, again, there's, there's so many problems to solve and being able to translate and really understand, again, what does the customer need? What is the core problem to be solved? And being able to work with different leaders and groups across the organization, I think that is such an asset and advantage. Thank you very much for sharing that answer with us. Oh, I love it. And I love your perspective too. Like no matter where we're working, we have a customer. Mm -hmm. Like my customers yeah. were at the beginning external, but every single job you have, always know who is my customer, who is my client, like who am I here to help serve and to help uh, them be successful. Absolutely. Absolutely. I completely agree. That's incredible. Um, the next question I have is I would love to learn, I guess, 
a lot of times when people think about executive roles, they don't think about just how much it takes to get there. It's very easy that when you're at the beginning of your career to be like, oh, I want to be a you know a VP at CISO in a couple of years. But often there's just so much it takes to get there. I would love to learn more about your personal experience as it pertains to you know the pursuit of some of those senior roles. What challenges did you face in reaching those? And what was the most significant lessons that those experiences have taught you? Oh, that's such a great question. Um, for me, I'll just to provide some context. Um, at some point during my career, I was just 100% new. I wanted to be a business executive. And, when, and for many people in technology and often in technology companies, there's like these two paths that are marketed. You can become like a technical executive or you could become a business executive and technical executive path in IBM, at least had a lot of very specific sort of technical achievements and, and check marks that you had to achieve in order to get there. And for me, I just always knew that wasn't of interest to me. But if anyone finds themselves with these two paths, I will just suggest there's a third path too. like, don't feel like I talk to so many people who are conflicted. Do I stay on the technical path or do I stay on the business path? I mean, I technically became a software executive. Um, I did not have the formal technical executive title, but I'm still a technical executive. And so I just want to offer people, if you feel like you're kind of pigeonholed between these two paths, there are so many paths to get to an executive role and you could still be technical in all of them. Um, so for me, I had a very good sense of the fact that I wanted to be a business executive working with technology and in technology. So it was really helpful that I had that in mind and that I was aspiring to get there. Um, and that helped me make decisions about all the paths I went along the way. So in software development, for example, I basically spent time leading teams in almost every single aspect of software development. I was in support, I was in testing, I was in um, actual development, uh, core development, I was in product management, I did technical marketing for a little stint. So I really sort of wanted to get a good sense of all aspects of the business of developing software. Um, and so I will tell you a really, really important thing if you are thinking of moving into senior leadership roles. Um, and for me, it was all about my mindset. Like I really had to believe that I wanted this and I was capable. Like first and foremost, if you are not believing in yourself and your own marketability and the value you bring, you know, there's work and support to get there and to believe in yourself. Um, and once I was, you know, worked on that, and I was confident, um, I asked for it. I told people, I went out and said, this is what I want to do. Can you help me or give me guidance or give me feedback? And that's an example of taking risks, which you're going to have to take as you get into more senior leader. Like when you put yourself out there and say, I want this job, would you hire me for it? You're opening yourself up to whatever the heck they're going to say about you. And, you know, opening yourself up to deciding, okay, how do I feel about that feedback and what do I want to do about it? And I will tell you the first executive role that I got when I, when I got promoted into an executive role, I worked for that. I had, to, I went to the hiring manager many, many times and said, I'm the one for this job. This is mine. And, um, that took a lot of courage for me to do, 
Um, so a couple things. One is like really be thoughtful about the experiences and the importance of the experiences you're getting all along your career. Know what you are capable of. Know what value you bring to the table. Like really know it. Make sure that story you're telling yourself about what you're capable of and what value you bring is powerful. And then thirdly, tell people know who's going to support you, tell people what you want to do. In my experience, most people who I approached really wanted to help. They really did want to support. At the end of the day, though, it took me putting my neck out and saying, um, this is for me. This is my job. Like, let me prove to you that I can do this. And um, that's sort of how it went. And then after that, the other executive roles I, I got were kind of similar in nature. I had soaked up all the experience that I wanted, and then I would move on to, to some, some other challenge to make sure that I kept growing. That is such a fantastic, I almost have chills. I feel like doing the poetry scraps. What, you... <laughs> what I loved, there's so much I loved about your response, but what I really loved was how intentional you, are with your, you were with your career development and advancement. And I really think that does make the difference. It's one thing to be like, okay, I want to, you know, you know, be whatever VP or leadership in a couple of years, but it's another to be like, okay, I, I want this more than anything and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there and to be really intentional with those steps, those X, Y, Z steps in order to, to really get to attain that role. And I think one other thing that came to mind as you were saying that is almost the concept of being good enough. I think, I'm not sure if this is necessarily something that is a little bit, females tend to struggle with a little bit more, but it's almost very easy, especially earlier in your career to be like, okay, I'm not good enough. I don't feel good enough. Like, I don't know what value I have and can bring. But what I loved in your answer is how you owned it. You owned, this is what I can do. You found out what that was. This is what I can do. This is what I'm good at. And that's what you use to market yourself for those more uh, senior roles. And I think that's something that's really important to, to understand and to, to figure out, okay, what value do I bring? What am I really good at? Especially when you're first starting out your career so that you could use that to market yourself to more senior roles. So thank you so much for sharing that. Well, and Cassie, I love your comments and your insightfulness in the way that you summarize that. I think I just want to add, I do agree for many women in particular, one of the biggest obstacles we need to overcome is the belief that we're not technical enough. Yeah. And we 100%. hear it from people. I've heard it said to me. I think it is the most ridiculous feedback ever because it's not actionable. What does that even mean that you're not technical enough? And yet That's we tell nice. ourselves that, right? I still struggle with this and have to overcome it. Um, so I just want to offer that it's very common to have those thoughts. And I have also had to overcome them. And there's a lot of ways to be technical enough. And for any woman who's thinking she's not, I would suggest you're more than enough. You're more than enough. You're more technical enough than you need. And then you have all this secret sauce and superpower on top of that, um, that you really need to embrace and understand. So I don't want to make it sound like it was easy. It wasn't, but it was definitely worthwhile. The other thing I want to give you props, Cassie, because you talked about being intentional and we didn't tell the story, but I'll tell it quickly. The reason I have the privilege of knowing Cassie is because she reached out to me so very intentionally on LinkedIn 
And I don't remember, it was like three, four years ago now. Yeah. And the way in which she reached out to me was with curiosity, with purpose, with friendliness. And I immediately responded. And from that point on, we stayed connected. And every time you reach out, you are so thoughtful um, and grateful. And so am I. I've been very blessed with the relationship. So I just want to say, you know, you are also an example of being very intentional with your career and the way that you reach out to people and build your network. Thank you so much for that, Jenna. That honestly made my day. I think it's just such an insightful conversation. Even though I'm interviewing you, I'm learning so much myself. And it's always a pleasure to connect and to be able to learn from your expertise. I really do appreciate it. I know you do, and I appreciate you as well. <laughs> that is fantastic. So I'd love to learn a little bit more about now you're working as a life coach. I think that is absolutely phenomenal, you know, starting your own business, venturing out on your own definitely is a big transition from being in a corporate space. So I'd love to learn a little bit more about that and what you found was the biggest shift and how did you address that learning curve for, from being in the corporate space is, you know, a very different structure than it on being in an entrepreneur real goal. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah, I mean, that shift for me was very, very significant in so many ways. Um, and being a full time entrepreneur has opened my eyes to all kinds of things. But to be honest, I would say, you know, 80 or 90% of what I, you know, learned and experienced and brought to my corporate role, I'm absolutely bringing to my business. I mean, I'm essentially the CEO of um, my own small company. And so, um, you know, the business acumen and thinking about marketing and thinking about my clients and coaching, all of that I've been doing for years. And so in a way, it was like dramatic for me to be the most dramatic thing, I think, for me was kind of being on my own because I'm right now a kind of a one person company. Um, and before I always had teams and colleagues and big company activities going on around me. So getting accustomed to being at home, being on my own, building up a network of other entrepreneurs. So kind of expanding my network into uh, entrepreneurs was, um, was new for me and just getting accustomed to you know, not having that teaming environment like I usually had in the past was kind of a big deal. And the other piece that was new for me was a lot of the marketing and business development work. So it allowed me to kind of fully embrace all aspects of business, being a business executive um, as it, from a CEO perspective. And so it's really added a lot to my business acumen just by running my own business. But lastly, I would say, you know, my passion for coaching has been there for years, especially with respect to women and um, getting more and more women in senior leadership roles is a huge passion and mission of mine. So for me to be able to do that full time um, and with my own programming in a way that supports sort of my own experiences and, and the things that have benefited me has been just a blessing. And so in, in a way, it's very different. And in another way, I and I think this is true for everyone, when you think you're transitioning into something really, really different, my bet is that at least 80% of what you what you already know is absolutely applicable to the, whatever new space you're in. So I would just ask you to kind of be looking for those things that are transferable to almost anything you're doing. And that's what I found it was like for me shifting into, um, into entrepreneurship. I think that's such a phenomenal answer. And 
it's often you don't realize just how much is transferable. Like yes. the soft skills, like you need them every and anywhere. So yeah. I'm so glad to hear that. And I, I think that is that's something that resonates with me a lot. Um, definitely taking those transferable skills and, you know, uh, using it to, to help as you build that business. I think that's phenomenal. I am very sad because we're almost out of time. But before we, uh, before we wrap this up, I'd love to ask one more question. Love to ask this at the end of all of my interviews. Um, if you had a time machine and you were able to go, go back to the very start of your career, knowing what you do now, what would you choose to do differently, if anything, and why? You know what? I wouldn't do anything differently. Not a thing. Um, And the reason I say that is not because I did not struggle. It's because even there was a period of two years in my career that were just so, so difficult for me at one point. Um, I wouldn't give them up because who I became through that struggle and what I've learned as a result and how I can empathize with other people now because of the ups and downs, I just wouldn't change a thing. I just believe very strongly that um, we are meant to be on an adventure and, you know, stay aligned to your heart, stay aligned to what you want in those moments and um, let it ride. And I feel like for the most part, that's what I've done and that's what I'll continue to do. So I don't really subscribe too much to regret for that reason. I love that answer so much. I love the fact that, you know, you frame it as a journey. It's an adventure. Every twist and turn is a part of that journey and adventure. And it all goes to make you the person that you are today. And what a wonderful, phenomenal and inspiring person that is. So thank you so very much. Everyone tuning in, thank you so much for listening to the WIT podcast. We've had a phenomenal time with Jennifer Gibbs today, and I hope that you've learned as much as I have from this conversation. Thank you so much again, Jennifer, for your time. Oh, my pleasure. Keep being amazing, Cassie. Awesome. You too. Bye. So there you have it. We trust that you enjoyed this episode and are looking forward to the next month. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. Until then, thank you for listening. With love.